So welcome to today's podcast. And today I have joining with me, Michelle Paris. She is the former EA to the, the co-founders of Pinterest. And currently she is the founder of With Purpose Coaching. So welcome, Michelle. Thanks for joining. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. And I do have my coffee right here. So I'm very yeah. excited. <laughs> today, um, we're going to talk a little bit about professional development goals for executive assistants and how we can um, create those specific to our profession. Mm-hmm. But I did want to give the opportunity for you to kind of share a little bit about um, what you did at Pinterest and what you're doing now and kind of give everybody an intro of who you are. Yeah. So first of all, thank you again for having me. It's really fun to share this information uh, with you and everyone who's listening. My name is Michelle Paris. I worked as an executive assistant for a little over 12 years. I started my career in Los Angeles working for very high net worth individuals. It was a very demanding, high touch environment, but really fun. I got to wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different things, which I think gave me a really good foundation to my EA career. Uh, And then I moved up to the Bay Area where I worked for a venture capital firm. And then I moved on to Pinterest. And when I started, the company was really, really small. I was the 58th employee. And when I left about four and a half years later, the company had around 1,300 employees and uh, was a whole whole other animal. And I had moved on from supporting the CEO to managing the administrative team there. And after that, I ended up having a baby and started my own company so that I could enjoy parenthood and stay connected to the administrative career, which I really, really love and am passionate about and want to support others doing the work. So uh, With Purpose Coaching is geared towards helping individual admins one-on-one or coming in and helping administrative teams um, improve everything from morale to um, things like performance review processes or writing out levels so that there's clear guidelines when there's a group of people, how how you differentiate really senior folks from junior folks. So all things admin. I love it. So that's it. I think that's a really interesting point um, that you just brought up about the difference of levels between a more junior um, administrative professional and more senior. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts? Like what, what is that distinction for you? Or what are you kind of seeing trends in the industry that's the distinction? Because I think goals and professional development um, will definitely vary when you're just entering the industry versus when you've been doing it for you know 15 or 20 years. Yeah, so the first, the first trend, which is timeless, is that every job rec says, I would say three quarters of the same thing. Must be detail oriented, must be able to multitask, must be cool under pressure. The the biggest differentiator I see is years of experience. That's that's the way a recruiter or a hiring manager usually is able to tell if someone's senior or junior, which I absolutely disagree with because you could have someone who only has three or four years of experience who is able to handle much more complex work, um, a, watch, a much wider variety of work than somebody who's doing it for 10 years and has had a really narrow scoped role. So I think the first sort of misconception about the roles is that everybody's doing the same thing. Um, mm. But as far as what I see being the differentiator between somebody who is junior and senior, there's there's a couple things. The first would be a maturity. How is this person able to react in the face of rapid change? Are they able to stay calm? Are they able to make quick but intelligent decisions? Uh, 
are they able to be proactive or are they just being reactive? Are they able to anticipate that change coming or are they just dealing with it as it unfolds? Uh, I think the second thing that helps differentiate people is the scope of work. So somebody who is doing the basics, the calendaring, the scheduling, the travel arrangements, the expense reports, that's that's a pretty narrow scope yeah. versus somebody who's handling inbox and actually responding to messages on behalf of their executive, somebody who is helping with all hands meeting preparation on behalf of their executive, um, people who are working across the org as right. opposed to working just for their executive. Uh, and then when you look at the individual projects that they're helping with, what what's the level of complexity that they're able to handle? Are they able to um, allocate resources against decisions on behalf of their executive, or are they just able to gather opinions and feedback, and then do they take it back to their executive to get the decision made? So Such a good point, because there is definitely a career path in the profession, and I think sometimes that's not always clear, and, and um, you know, there is definitely a difference between old school, new school, you kind of have that concept, but really about to your point, what's the scope of the work that you're doing? And um, and there is an opportunity to do a lot more. And I think that there only becomes more opportunity when you ask and when you talk about it. Um, if you never ask and you never try to expand the scope of what you're doing, if you're not doing enough mm-hmm. um, and you're not satisfied, there definitely is opportunity. And I think there's support, but a lot of times um, because how much the profession has changed Sometimes executives don't know how to support you or you've never seen it um, and it's hard to implement something that you've never seen before. So Mm -hmm. I love the point that there is, um, you know, there's a career path and there is definitely a much broader scope than just doing um, the basic form. Yeah. And one way I like to describe that path is usually what I see is coverage support that is horizontal. So you have somebody entering the career, usually supporting two, maybe three people, and they're providing very thin horizontal coverage. So they are doing the calendars, the travel, the expense reports, and maybe some team dinners. Then as you progress to become more senior, the coverage becomes much more vertical. So much more deep. You're and you have fewer people that you're supporting. So in that, at the most, most senior, you'd be supporting only one executive, but your coverage is everything all the way, all the way from, you know, notifying their spouse of travel coming up to getting their visa arrangements taken care of to their inbox to, um, you know, in some cases, do they have their dry cleaning done for the trip so that they've got a clean suit? Um, Really much more comprehensive. I think that's that's an excellent point um, because one of the things that I see, and I'm sure you see the same thing, is that um, the more senior that you get and the higher level executives that you're supporting, um, there's definitely a different what they need to help drive their business objectives is different than, you know, like a, a CEO or C-suite level executive. It's going to be different than maybe a director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what they need to help to make sure that they're driving those business objectives is, is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't do that effectively when you're spread between 
you know, four executives or three. Um, And even two, it's that one-on-one support where you're really able to learn them, understand what they need. And then to your point about, um, you know, being able to represent them in meetings and making sure that they're getting the information they need to make appropriate decisions. And when it's appropriate, just calling it, right? Like Mm -hmm. making decisions. um, That makes sense. So I love it. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, everybody has either had their performance reviews Mm -hmm. uh, year or they're getting ready to Mm -hmm. and getting ready to make goals for the upcoming year. Mm -hmm. So I think it'd be interesting to like, let's talk a little bit about what does that look like? You know, how do we take things that we've heard in our performance reviews and how do we take that and make them actionable and, and really kind of thinking about how are we going to elevate ourselves and our, our, our role in the upcoming year. So what's your advice? So somebody comes and says, talk about two things. So one, let's talk about like, I had a great review. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've got to take, they didn't really give me a lot of negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they will have given you some constructive criticism, criticism mm-hmm. for you to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about someone who said, I, I had an okay review um, mm-hmm. and I want to build on those opportunities of development. So what would you say to someone who's in those two circumstances? So I would say the very first thing is, you really, if you're going to be a good EA, you really should understand what your executive's goals are. What are their priorities? And, uh, the, you know, when I worked at Pinterest, the organization, fortunately, the, the goals kind of trickled down. So the executives wrote theirs and then their reports wrote theirs and then on down. But in any case, if your executive hasn't already written their goals um, or shared them with you, you absolutely should have a conversation with them to understand what are the company's goals for the next six months, the next year, uh, what are their individual goals towards the company's goals over the next quarter, six months, year. If you don't understand where their priorities lie, it's harder to understand where you can provide the most impact for them. Right. Um, so the first, that would be the first step, understand their goals. Then I think the best thing that happens in reviews with EAs and their executives is the positive feedback. So what I find majoritively is that executives do not know how to give constructive, tangible feedback to EAs. I hear very generic, well, you could push back more. You could try to find more free time so that I can work. And it's it's just these really... Um, high level things that are very hard to be actionable sometimes. So I think the first thing you want to do is really listen to what went well. You can build off what went well a lot easier sometimes than trying to understand what they mean in the constructive areas. So for example, I had an executive one time who told me that me helping him and his family identify the need to have some help in their personal lives was the biggest game changer that happened over the six month period. And I heard that feedback and how, like I didn't realize at the time that that was a game changer for for him. And by making his personal life run a little bit more smoothly, it meant he was more freed up to like be more deeply involved in the business. And that was really, really valued. So, you know, then going forward, I knew, okay, like, let's, let's try to do more things that are really looking at this executive holistically as a whole person and not just what's happening in the office and on the business calendar. So 
always listen to the positive feedback, whether maybe you're a great at communicator or you're really great with our visitors or you're really good at taking on projects that other people didn't see need to be done. Whatever that positive feedback is, take it and run with it. Double down on that because they're already happy about it and it stood yeah. out enough in their mind that six months later they've remembered and commented on it. That's yeah. fantastic. So use that to, you know, Think of other things similar to that or take that to the next level uh, because that's it's kind of a free win. Um, you already knew to do it and you did it well and it made a great impact on them. So run with that. And then as far as the constructive feedback, if it is ambiguous or vague, I, it's hard sometimes in a review. Sometimes I see people get a little bit defensive, yeah. uh, which I would highly, highly recommend against. It is, it's kind of the biggest blocker you can put in your own career because not only are you not just listening, so you're not hearing what they're really saying, you're, you know, when you become defensive, you're now putting them where they have to be on the offense and try to re-explain it to you. And that's usually not a very productive conversation. You may disagree with what they're saying. That's absolutely legitimate and fair. And that does happen at times. But I do think that if you have any response that is not, uh-huh, yes, I understand, <laughs> you really should separate that into another conversation in another one-on-one yeah. -on -one or a set of special time. And, and there's definitely a way to handle that. But if you're in a review and they're giving you constructive feedback and you don't understand it, really try to ask them some thoughtful, not defensive questions about, you know, well, what do you mean by that? Well, how, how did you see that happening that how would you like to have seen that? Um, yeah. Because that's, if you don't get into their head and you just kind of take notes blindly and then leave the room, I guarantee you're going to miss, miss the mark in how to improve in that area. The other really, really caution as far as receiving constructive feedback is I think a lot of times admins see that as, okay, let me write these three things down that they filled in and use them as a checklist to get ahead next time. Yeah. And that's really, really not what it's about. Your your feedback that's constructive should be about how do you add to your skill set? How do you exceed in the areas that maybe you were just sort of satisfactory at? Really do it for the knowledge that you'll gain, not so that you can check off some list and think you're going to get promoted next time. Yeah, I think that's such a really good point because kind of going back how you were saying before is the feedback that you get I think sometimes we miss the mark when we don't have conversations all year long mm -hmm. um, and really specific because, you know, recognizing that we are in a very unique position and that we have a different working relationship than any other position in any company you'll ever have. Mm -hmm. It's so unique because you so you are so involved in their personal life and with their families and, and you know more intimately about things um, mm -hmm. that it just creates a very unique working relationship and making sure that, you know, you're having conversations when there is feedback and actively looking for that feedback all year long, mm -hmm. I think is really important. Um, you know, when you find out what's driving them, uh, what is their areas that they really need, those areas mm -hmm. where they're looking for extra support, it builds trust mm -hmm. and it helps you be able to deliver on the things that are really important to them. And in mm -hmm. return, um, you know, you're able to change, I think, the way that you function with them a little bit differently because mm -hmm. you're delivering on the things that are important to them and then also making opportunity 
for you, change your career path a little. When you build trust, it allows them to let you take over some things that they may not have done Mm -hmm. without that relationship built. So I think having those conversations ahead of time all year long, in my opinion, all feedback, um, Mm -hmm. they're telling you something, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there's something that they weren't happy with, or there's something that they were happy with um, on either side of the coin, but they are telling you something and kind of really digging in to figure out. And I think sometimes in a really close EA executive relationship, um, some of the negative feedback, you kind of have to dig down and figure out what is really bothering them. Mm-hmm. Is it really just that I missed this one thing or is it a bigger gap that we're looking for? Yeah. So a couple of comments along that line. I mean, I think you're right. The first thing is perception is reality, right? Yeah. So if you're, if your executive, you know, makes a comment that you haven't been on time, let's just say the, if, if they, if they have an issue with that, maybe you were on time but their perception is their reality and you cannot change how that happened in the past. So you need to, or how it was perceived in the past, you really, all you can do is hear it, you know, thank you and figure out why did they perceive it that way? So I think, I think that's the biggest thing is if you do have a differing opinion with them on something that's constructive feedback, you really need to dig into why did they perceive it differently than you thought you were demonstrating. But the other the other two things, you know, a lot of admins that I work with are working with young executives. So this is maybe the first time they've had an EA. And I and they especially have a hard time giving feedback, those executives. So I tell those EAs in every single one-on-one, and I don't care if you know that one-on-one is going to get short at like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you need to ask three questions. Is there anything I is there anything else I should know? Is there anything I can do differently? And do you have any feedback for me? The first question, is there anything else I should know, will prompt the widest variety of answers. It could be it could be something as simple as, oh, I forgot to tell you, I added um, a workout Thursday night to my calendar, like clear my right. schedule starting at 4.30. Or it could be, yeah, you know what, do you have a second? I wanted to talk to you about what's going on in sales right now. Do you, have you noticed that, you know, Sam has been causing maybe a little bit of difficulty, like what's your sense? And it could yeah. prompt a really open-ended conversation where you're a sounding board and get to have that back and forth. But is there anything I should do differently is very specific. <laughs> Did I do anything wrong last week? Is is there anything <laughs> going on that you want me to change? Because it is way better to know after only one week has gone by than six months. You right. do not want to be blindsided. Right. Um, and then the third thing, do you have any feedback for me? Could be, hey, you're doing a great job. Everything's fine. Or it could be, no, nothing. Like, we're good. Um, Or it could be, oh, you know what? When you reach out to this person, I I want you to know that they have this other personal issue going on. So kind of tread tread lightly in that area. And, and, you know, I I noticed you've been a little bit quick in the interaction, but they might need a little little more hand-holding or something. So I think if you ask those three questions in every one-on-one, you're giving them the opportunity to share things and yourself to hear things where you can improve your role in an ongoing basis, but you're also training them to give feedback. A lot of, a lot of executives operate under the no news is good news um, philosophy, which is fine, but some admins really need pats on the back and need that positive reinforcement. And so in, in either scenario, if you're someone who can operate with, you know, no pass on the back, you don't need any feedback, that's fine. 
or someone who does need it, in either scenario, you've opened up a forum for that dialogue to happen. And the more it happens, the more comfortable you both will get it. And I guarantee your six month review or your annual review will then be much better because of it. Um, and then the last point I was going to share is my sister worked in sales, so I stole this from her, but sales people keep what they call a brag sheet with their numbers and stats. Um, and admins, I really encourage to do this. So on your desktop, in your notes, on a post-it, whatever works for you, you absolutely should keep a running list as, thing as things happen that you have done that you think went well that you want to note so that when you go back and write your, your review, you can glance at the list really quickly and include those things. Um, are, we're so busy that we forget what we're doing each week, but yeah. you know, you'll forget that, oh, I helped with that all hands presentation and it was really, really well received. And, you know, five months later, that's not going to be top of mind, but it is worth highlighting. So um, keeping that as a running thing all year is really great. And then also definitely before your self-review is written, look back at your calendar every single week. What did, what did I do? Is there anything I forgot to put on the brag sheet that was a big project or something that I did that might not have been noticed because it wasn't directly for my executive, but it helped make things better in, in their org or in the company. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's guest was Michelle Paris, who is the former EA to the CEO of Pinterest and the founder of With Purpose Coaching. I'm excited for Michelle to join us on our next episode, where we will continue the conversation on how to write professional development goals for executive assistants and how to quantify the work that you do. In the meantime, you can follow Michelle on her website at withpurposecoaching.com and on LinkedIn. Michelle and I are very excited to be speaking at Behind Every Leader in Austin, Texas on May 3rd, and we hope to see you there. If you'd like more information, you can look on my website. I am Melissa Peoples, empowering you to take your seat at the table.